A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, as usual, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And as usual, I am joined by my co-host, Rich, at Dynasty Island. How are you doing, mate? I'm very good. Thank you, bud. Very good. Looking forward to this one. Um, What about yourself? Uh, Yeah, it's all good. I mean, we're we're both probably uh, a little bit excited inside. We just launched the UKFFC 2023 event today at four o'clock as of recording, so... If you haven't seen it, go over to at underscore UKFFC on Twitter, or you can find us on Facebook now um, at UKFFC, and you can find all the details on that event. I feel like a proper promotional guy here, um, but you can find all the details on the event there. Um, but that's nothing to do with today's show, Rich. No, absolutely. So we're, we're continuing our whistle-stop tour around the league. Was it around around the league in four pods? I think was the catchy slogan we came up with. Yeah, um, around the league in four. And yeah, I, I, where, where are we heading today, Liam? I've named it the Soft South because I couldn't think of anything else. And when I think of the four so, or other the eight southern 
teams, the four, the two divisions. They're not the uh, most competitive, we'll put it like that. <laughs> um, You're going to get some angry fans. Uh, come at me, come at me. Um, I, I thought it was just a shot. being really competitive. I thought so. it was just a shot at me, calling me a soft southerner, but I'll... Uh... Oh, wait, I won't take offence. I'll uh, we'll just move on. If the shoe fits, Rich. If the shoe fits. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we are heading down south, so we'll be starting with the NFC South uh, this week. Rich, I'm going to throw it over straight to you so you can introduce your first player because um, I think the ones that we've chosen for the first team, which is the Tampa Bay Bucks, flow quite nicely. Yeah, so for me, my my guy's Russell Gage. Um, I think I've I've perhaps talked about him a bit bit too much this off season. Um, I just really believe in the talent. I think that he is a, a very good, very competent wide receiver. I think the Bucks paid him decent money. I'm not expecting him to just sit and basically do nothing as the potential wide receiver four in that offense. I think that his price over the last two, three weeks has absolutely plummeted. I think we've got this potential injury that's looking like he might miss week one. Um, for me, I'm using this as a as a, a keen buy window. I think you can go out and buy Russell Gage for probably a third, something like that. And I think this is a guy that down the stretch has got some decent sleep potential. And, you know, if something was to happen to Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, Russell Gage could be a league winner. Um, notice I quite quickly skipped over Julio Jones. Look, I, I think Julio Jones is the kind of guy that, that could potentially flash this year and maybe have a little bit of relevancy, but let's not pretend Russell Gage is on a three-year contract. Like I really like his value beyond this year, and I think he's a, a sneaky buyer, basically free at the moment in terms of my leagues. So I'm going to come at it from a different angle, Rich. I don't know what to expect from Gage um, when Godwin is back this year. I think if all three of those wide receivers are healthy, so that's um, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones, if they're all healthy, I don't see Gage having a role, especially when Godwin is healthy. I get your point in having um, a role if Godwin were to go down again or have a setback or whatever that situation may be. But I just don't see that role while Godwin is around. Now, I do get that going past this year, he could potentially have a role. But when I keep thinking about the future, I'm kind of thinking that Godwin and Evans aren't going to be um, going anywhere soon. Both of them are on good deals for, for the players, so the teams aren't going to move on from them. And then just looking into the future, I mean, these are notes that I've also put down for Godwin. So it, um, that is my next player that we're going to talk about with the book. So I may as well just lump them in together is what happens with their future. I mean, Brady's not around with the team at the moment. I don't know what that could be. People are he's saying it's now. Mass Singer. He's so he's, he's back now, but apparently he's recorded the Mass Singer or, or whatever all these rumours seem to be. I'm not um, concerned about that at all. I, th I don't get why more teams don't do it. It's it's a great 10-day break. He, he doesn't need to be at practice in every day in camp. Go and give him a rest. Put your feet up. He's 40, 45, whatever he is. I think it's a, I think it's a good thing. So 
I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. I'm just saying I don't know what it really was. They were all really secretive about it. They didn't say anything about it. So maybe we get some sh uh, light shed on that situation. Maybe we don't. But even if we look at future years, I mean, he's already signed that massive deal with, I believe it was Fox ESPN, maybe. I want to say Fox, where he's going to be the oh, um he's going to be in the booth for 10 years getting paid basically quarterback money in the booth which is incredible for him i'm not taking anything away but if you're signing that type of deal i mean he's already retired that's got to be in his mind at this point when he's already signed the deal let alone in a year's time regardless of how the books end their season i don't know what that quarterback position holds for both of these players that we want to talk about Gage and Godwin because if Brady is not going to be there in 2023 they can't seriously seriously be looking at Trask and Gabbert from what we've seen from either of them and then so so what's their situation because they're not going to have a high pick unless they trade for one because Brady's on their team they have an immensely good team and if that isn't the case, then what's that quarterback situation looking like in free agency? It's not meant to be a great free agent class, the quarterback position next year. So what happens with both of these receivers if Brady isn't the quarterback? I think both values go down. If Brady is the quarterback next season, you, I think Gage is a good buy mid-season when he's not seeing the snaps, when Julio's around. And then next year he becomes that three, maybe. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I fall down is all on the quarterback position. If Brady's there, I can see Gage being a great buy now option. Um, moving over to Godwin a little bit more. I think that this could be around peak value. I know that I've got Godwin higher than ADP. I think I've got him four spots higher. A wide receiver 16. His ADP in August is currently wide receiver 20, so that's gone down. Um, Rich, you have anything to add on Gage, or do you want to move on to Godwin? No, I think I think look, I I believe in the talent. I think Gage is currently undervalued, and I think because of the injury, you can basically get him for free. So that's why he's he's my guy. I think Godwin. I think what we're talking wide receiver 20 prices. I, I still like that. I still believe the guy is a talent beyond Brady and I get what you're saying about Brady being you know one year but I'm less concerned about kind of projecting quarterback spots two three years down the line I'm very much a what have you done for me lately at quarterback and you know let's be honest if the Bucks are going to be the same roster they are now okay their offensive line is falling apart at the moment with injuries but if we're looking at them as a you know three, four elite wide receiver offense. They've got a good defense built there. Why aren't why can't they be a you know a player potentially for the next quarterback that becomes upset? Could could they be the you know the the next Matt Ryan home? Could they get somebody that's competent that can just tick things over for another year or two? Now I'm not saying Matt Ryan's gonna go there. I'm saying the next Matt Ryan that becomes available before people say Matt Ryan never play for the Bucks. Um <laughs> I just think that we spend too much time projecting what the quarterback situation will be. And for me, I think basically any NFL starting caliber quarterback that is there with 
Chris Godwin, I think he can put up easily wide receiver top 20 numbers. And look, if he's fully fit, ready to go week one, then he's easily a top 12 wide receiver. And I think when he comes back, I think when he comes back, Rich, it's a good sell window. Um, I, I say that, but I'm not saying that he sell him because he's never going to do well. I think that he is one of the unique players where you could potentially go either way and it's still a good play. You could keep him on your roster and he's a great win-now option. He'll score you loads of points while Brady's there. And as you said, the talent's there. So if so long as it's not a horrendous quarterback, he could still put up really good numbers. But equally, I think if someone were to tell me that they wanted to sell Godwin now, I don't think that's a bad play based on that quarterback situation. And really, he's wide receiver 20. When he comes back, he's not going to be the wide receiver 20 anymore. People are going to be looking at him and looking at his past production, probably taking him as a wide receiver 14 to 12, somewhere in that range. So I can kind of see when he gets named coming back in what week three is the latest that I've heard recently. Um, I can see that as being a really good sell window because people will be thinking about that production even more. And he's just one of those unique players that I think could go or or could be a good play either way, whatever you do. Um, I think my one final point on Godwin is I don't think people realise when we talk about um, kind of force-fed touches and wide receivers being, um, you know, put in advantageous situations, I don't think people realise how often Chris Godwin is used in the screen game. Okay. Last year, Liam, I'm going to throw some numbers at you. How many players do you think in the entire NFL, all positions, saw over one and a half screen targets a game? Um, I want to say four. And my thinking is you're saying this because one is Godwin. I'm going to say Adams was another in Green Bay. I'm going to say Patterson got a good amount of screen targets last year, and I've just left a spot open in case that there's the one that I forgot. So four. It's, it's impressive because it was five, and you got two of the five. So Devontae Adams saw 1.5 screen targets a game. DeAndre Swift was 1.6. Aaron Jones was 1.8. Rondell Moore was 2.3, and then Chris Godwin was 2.6. So Chris Godwin saw over one screen target per game over every wide receiver in the NFL other than Rondell Moore. To me, you know, that's we're basically we're saying that he's got a baseline of two and a half receptions a game because everybody's catching a screen. And and anything beyond that is a bonus. There's no player that gets force-fed the ball in advantageous situations like Chris Godwin. And I don't think people realise that. And, you know, as, as long as he's in that... Balls. Well, but, yeah, I, I get that Bruce Arians isn't there. And Bruce Arians, you know, the, the line with Bruce Arians is that he's blocking wide receivers, get the targets in the screen game as a reward. I think that's, you know, Byron Leftwich has been around Bruce Arians long enough that I think that goes with Byron Leftwich. So... I really believe that Chris Godwin's going to continue to see those screen targets because he is such a complete receiver, because he's that power slot, and because he's 
going to be used in the blocking game. Rich, we're going to have to move on because we are <laughs> nearly 15 minutes in and we've got through one team so far. So let's head over to Atlanta. We're going to be talking Falcons next. And I mentioned the guy that I wanted to speak about, and that's Cordero Patterson. Now, I wanted to bring him up because, Rich, you've been quite vocal this offseason saying that you don't think that um, he's been drafted highly enough. Um, I mean, dynasty-wise, he's old, he's a running back, so that's going to get people immediately taking him off the draft boards in the good first few rounds. But he's currently going as the running back 40. I think there's no other running back at that range where they have the upside that he showed last year my concern is one is it a flash in the pan type situation where um the pants or the the falcons had basically nothing else to throw to or well other than carpets um and rich russell gage if you really want to throw him in there after we've just spoken about him but is that kind of a flash in the pan situation now that london um, has been uh, drafted and they've traded or signed multiple other quarterback weapons, um, wide receiver weapons, and they've got two mobile quarterbacks. Does that take away from Cordero's usage? I think so. I'm not saying that he's not going to outscore his ADP because I really think he does. Um, Longevity-wise, again, question it. But if you're going for that championship, He's a great win now option at kind of a low cost considering what you're trying to pay. Um, and you can't really look at him for the future. And anything on top of this year is basically a bonus, is the way that I'm looking at Patterson. Um, Rich, I'm going to throw it over to you. He's currently at RB40, as I said. This year, um, he's basically safe cap wise. But next year, um, the Falcons actually save 4.25 million if they um, basically cut him or, or put him on waivers or however that works with a post-June 1st designation. Um, so do you think next year he's at serious risk of not being with the Falcons? I'll be, I'll be honest, I don't really care because <laughs> at, the, at the price he's going, you don't need to worry. At the price he's currently at, you're saying I'll be 40 yeah, you can view him as a one-year proposition, and he's going to produce enough this year to pay back that RB forty price. So even if you get one year of production out of him, that's that's enough. You don't need anything more. Um, I think that as a dynasty community, I think we struggle to value things that aren't normal, and I think we like our little boxes and we can put people in a box and say, this guy's a, you know, he's a young RB1 that I can bank on producing for me for the next two, three years minus injury. And then he'll get his second contract. I can look to sell him. And we like viewing things in clear cut, distinct windows. And I think the reason why Cordero Patterson is so undervalued is because he is different. Yes, he's not a running back that is going to line up and get 250 carries. He's not going to get specific targets on flares and screens and coming out the backfield and and those traditional you know angle routes that that running backs run a lot of. He is a movable offensive piece. We saw last year he was able to line up as the X ISO in that three by one offense where he was 
put up man on man on a corner and was catching back shoulder frays. He was able to be a useful red zone weapon because defences didn't know where he was going to line up. And yes, he's going to get 120, 150, you know, traditional carries. But he is not a traditional RB1. He is not a traditional running back. And we struggled to put a value on that. And for me, I think that the Falcons tapped in something last year, and I think you're going to see it more this year. I think their offense is going to be completely weird and wonderful and unique. I think you're going to see Drake London line up in the slot as that massive power slot. I think you're going to be Cole, see Cole Pitts line up as the X outside on his own. I think you, you're basically what Arthur Smith is saying is that he wants these unique movable pieces so that the defense has no idea they can stay in that 11 personnel have three wide receivers have Cole Pitts, have patterson you know they, they could be a, a true five out offense they could also line up in like 12 personnel and, and have two titans on the field and it, it it's really they're going to be an awful team the falcons are going to be dreadful i think they're probably going to get the number one pick but i'm really intrigued to see this offense and i think that cordero patterson is going to put up fancy value. We saw last year when he was on the field, when he was healthy, he was a stud. And if I can get one year of production out of him, and yes, he's old, but he's not a normal running back because he's not had that volume of carries. He's not had a running back workload throughout his entire career. And I just think that this is a guy I can get as my as my running back four based on his current value. And I think he can easily put up running back two numbers. And I think he's possibly got a chance of being a fringe top 12 running back again this year because of the unique way that he's going to be utilised and the unique way he's going to be force-fed touches. And I just think that because he doesn't fit in a box that we can, you know, tidy up and put a bow round, nobody knows how to value him. Right, Rich. Let's move on to your Atlanta <laughs> Falcon because we've gone over quick. yet again on our player. That's that's my that's my rants over. I'll keep it quick. So Desmond Ridder is my is my Falcons player. I think that he's really significantly undervalued. Mm-hmm. I think that we talked about the Falcons being a bad team. I think chances are they're probably going to their starting quarterback is a quarterback that's playing in college. But I think there is absolutely a chance that Desmond Ridder is going to get the opportunity to start this year. And if he proves competent and is the, you know proves enough that the Falcons don't draft someone, you can get a starting quarterback for the next two, three years who's got the Konami code, he's got that rushing floor for you know probably a, a second, if not maybe a little bit less. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a player that is on my radar to go out and buy because I think that people are going to forget about him as soon as Mariota starts week one. Um, I agree with him being low in value and has that upside. I don't agree with him being a second or even less. I think you've got to pay two seconds at least to get him right now. You're he's shown good. enough. I've seen it. I've like he's shown enough flashes that people are higher high enough on him. I don't think Mario to starting is going to stop people from um, maybe having him highly. I think the only thing that would stop that is um, maybe if Mariota doesn't potentially let that 
job go by week eight, I want to say. That's when people, or week six to eight, I think that's going to be the start of the panic window if Mariota's still starting in that window. Um, I think either way, Ridder is going to get starting um, games, whether it is earliest week five after Mariota's had a good shot or whether it's after the buy in week 14 when they just want to see what they've got in Ridder before they go into the 2023 season and the 2023 draft. Um, yeah, as you said, I think he's got incredible upside, but at the same time, he may be a career backup and never moving from the Falcons, or not moving from the Falcons until 20, what is it, 26, 27. It's a massive risk. You could be left holding the bag. You know, it's the it's like my yeah. Jordan Love shout, where I said that Jordan Love was the biggest value and everyone needed to go out and buy Jordan Love. And, you know, that's that's turned out to be awful advice because Jordan Love hasn't got the opportunity <laughs> to start. And it could be the same with Desmond Ridder. But the risk-reward, you know, if he becomes that starting yeah. quarterback, he's easily worth a first plus. Um, so moving on to the Panthers. Um, Rich, before I hand it over to you, um, breaking news from the Panthers. Um, Cor- Matt Corral has gone on a season-ending IR, so that is with the Liz Frank injury, I believe. Um, and that might really be relevant than later it's really on. good. It's, it's, it's a perfect move because it means that they don't have to carry three active quarterbacks because they've got Donald, they've got Baker, they'd have had to carry him as one of their 53. Now he can go in AR. It means they can move forward with two two QBs and it frees up a roster spot. So, yes, it's awful for Matt Corral, but it's good for the Panthers. Anyway, he's not either of our players. So who's yours, Rich? So my guy's DJ Moore. Um, the guy's just a stud hiding in plain sight. He has put up, you know, 1,000-yard seasons, elite numbers year after year with horrific quarterback play. And he's now getting a a top 20 NFL quarterback. And I think that people forget how good Baker Mayfield is. I think, you know, last year he played through injury and, and had a poor year. But let's not forget, this is the guy that, you know, broke the curse of quarterbacks in Cleveland. He was the guy that took the Browns, yes, the Browns to the playoffs. And I really believe that he is a... I say above average NFL quarterback, but, but what I mean by that average. is top top like 25 is is above average in my mind. Like an average NFL quarterback is a guy that you're looking to replace. I think that Baker Mayfield can be the long-term starter in Carolina. And I think that DJ Moore's going to feast because of it. Um, I like this shout in terms of Baker Mayfield being potentially the best quarterback DJ Moore's had. I, think I mean, definitely. did he have Cam Newton? I can't remember. Um, look, look, Cam look, Newton is an incredible, incredible athlete. He is an incredible fantasy producer. He won an MVP. But in terms of pure passing quarterback, Baker Mayfield is leaps ahead of Cam Newton. Okay. We're not going to get into that because that'll <laughs> be another, that'll be a whole different show. But um, yeah, I, I think DJ Moore... At the current price of wide receiver 14 is priced pretty much where I kind of want him. Maybe a spot or two higher than where I've got him in my rankings, but probably bang on. I mean, as you said, getting an upgraded quarterback from basically every other quarterback he's had in his career. Um, going into 2023, he could have a better quarterback than 
Baker Mayfield, if Baker Mayfield some for some reason just drops and falls apart and isn't what the Panthers traded for, I can see them getting a new head coach and a new quarterback to go with said head coach um, in the draft. So again, this is a kind of an unknown situation at quarterback, but DJ Moore, as you said, doesn't matter what quarterback situation he's had, he's always put up thousand yard seasons and um, always been that boring safe wide receiver too when people think about him and probably drafting him to be that kind of safe consistent option but I don't think many people are considering that upside of if Baker is incredible this year then what happens with DJ Moore because he's most likely going to be the prime target um, maybe outside of CMC um, but that kind of brings us safely and, and nicely into my play, which is actually Baker Mayfield going as QB uh, 27 in August DLF ADP. Now, with Baker, we've already said that he's got a huge range of outcomes. Um, but at that QB 27 cost, I think that's going to be incredible for a QB3 option. Um, yes, it comes with a lot of risk. He may not be... Um, the Panthers starter of the future but I don't think he's ever going to be completely out of the starter question um, I think that he could have a similar career trajectory as Trubisky where he kind of went as a backup um, after the Bears got rid of him and then kind of it kind of edged his way nudged his way into the starter um, conversation again if that does happen, I think Baker is much more of a better um, prospect than Trubisky in that starting um, conversation. Currently, Wentz and Mills are going as QB25, QB26, respectively. And I'd take Baker over both of those. Um, I just think that he's in a better situation and has much, much better upside and um, so, Rich, what do you think about pa- Baker Mayfield? We kind of talked about it already. I think that's incredibly harsh throwing him in the same bucket as Mitch Trubisky. I think he's, I think he's definitely a career trajectory. Rich. Yeah, I, career I think trajectory. His, I think his career trajectory is massively ahead of that. I think that to me, I'd, I'd throw him in perhaps that Carson Wentz range of the last two or three years. I think he will definitely be a starter in the NFL over the next two, three seasons. Um, I see no world if Carolina decides to blow everything up and start again and they want to go down the young QB route. I see no world in which Baker's not started next year. You know, we talked about Tampa Bay potentially moving on from Tom Brady. He, he'd he be a, a, you know, a, a competent starter there. I think he is, as I said, I think he's a top 20 starting quarterback in terms of NFL talent. And I, I'm gobsmacked that. I think people forget how good he was because he played injured and Cleveland wanted to move on to go and get Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I, th- I think we can, we can talk about that till the cows come home. But for me, he's a, uh, he's my QB 24. I'd absolutely take him ahead of that. What I'm classing kind of one year potential tier of Ryan Zanniel, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Davis Mills, Jared Goff, Daniel Jones, all of those guys. I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced to have a starting job next year. I'd take Baker Mayfield and Dynasty over every single one of those guys. So, Rich, let's move on to the Saints. Um, I'm going to start off with my guy, which is Alvin Kamara. Um, 
I think this season you've kind of been gif if you've still got Kamara and you're not competing um or like a middling team, I think you've been gifted a golden opportunity with this suspension news coming in that it's probably not coming in until 2023. I think you've been gifted a golden opportunity to sell right now or when the season starts because I don't see his value going any higher than his current ADP of RB14. Even if he has a great season this year, kind of has basically a similar season to what he's done for his entire career, I can only see his value going to RB12 at max. I don't, th- because of that suspension that is looming over him, that'll be the whole off season talk about Kamara next year. Um, he's also 26. So next year, he is basically worthless in terms of dynasty eyes. Um, yes, he's a great running back, but I just don't see that spike in value that you could probably get elsewhere. Now, um, if you've got him on a contending roster, he is going to be incredible for you this year. I don't foresee anything changing in terms of his um, previous production into this year. He had a 20% target share with Winston last year. Now, I think that's going under the radar. I saw a tweet earlier um, about the targets that he got over uh, over the last few seasons. And it was quite obvious that his targets last year were not as high, but he's carries went up by quite a bit by like 60 carries um and i know touches and carries don't go together one for one you kind of want those targets over um over his um carries but at the same time um with that 20 percent target share that was his highest target share uh, or one of his highest in his career so if you extrapolate that over the 60 or 17 game season rather than the 13 game season he actually played then that is going to be an incredible target share my concern is does he keep that up going into this year with the much improved wide receiver room that they the saints have rich what do you think about that do you think he keeps that target share up i think you've hit the nail on the head i think he's going to be fantastic this year but i think if you can sell mid-season when people have forgotten about that suspension that's looming over him and people are just in redraft mind, I think you, you it's perfect. You know, you, you said you've been given a kind of a golden ticket to get a half a year of production, sell mid-season, and, you know, that's probably the last peak value we're, we're ever going to see. Um, so my guy, Liam, um, it's a guy that I wouldn't be gobsmacked if he was the overall wide receiver one in fantasy this year i wouldn't be gobsmacked i wouldn't be gobsmacked if he didn't play at all this year and that's michael thomas and it's it's the guy that i have the hardest time ranking it's the guy that i have the hardest time putting any value on and i have no idea what to do with him in that yes the guy's an elite talent when he's on the field but I do think a large amount of his production and and that was sean payton and drew Brees, and i'm intrigued to see him in an offense with Jameis Winston where Jameis Winston's style will mesh more closely with someone like an Alave. And, you know, we, we, we've already seen the injuries. He's, he's supposedly, I think it's a, a soft tissue injury, maybe a hamstring or something that he's nursing. Um, I don't know what, who, who knows with Michael Thomas, I'll be honest. If I own Michael Thomas, 
once that first good game happens, I'm getting rid of every share I can because I just I just don't want any part of yeah. him and wide receiver thirty one. That that seems too rich for me. Yeah, it seems rich to me as well. I he is, as you said, one of the hardest players to rank in Dynasty right now. He has that potential, that upside. He is obviously ridiculously, um, ridiculously talented. But at the same time, as you said, he may not play another snap for the Saints if he has whatever happens last year happen again. I mean, that kind of seemed like a whole messy situation. And I don't think it was all down to injury. I think there was a lot of... Um, issues with the, the coaching staff and the front office and Michael Thomas himself. Um, I don't really know where to rank him, as as you said. I think wide receiver 31 feels too high. But I can, again, see why he's going there because of that potentially elite upside. He was the wide receiver one in a few years ago. Um, and I just feel sorry for anyone that started a dynasty team then and took him as your wide receiver one or the wide receiver one in the draft because he's basically been one of the biggest busts in dynasty startups that there has been for years um because he hasn't played for two years and probably went as the wide receiver one in the whole draft so yeah um i think he's on the saints for the next two years um the only season um or before the 2024 season is the only time he's potentially going to be cut in terms of that contract so he's going to be at least on the Saints for two more years including this year I don't really know I think this year is going to be big but I don't foresee that value increasing twofold or even uh, just increasing massively because he is already uh, 28 29 years old so um, I think that's going to play into the dynasty community's mind but Rich, let's move over to the AFC South. Uh, we'll start with the Indianapolis Colts. Who do you have for us to start us off? It's my guy, Mo Ali Cox. Um, I felt like I had to talk about a tight end. It's a guy that I'll be honest, I'm picking up Mo Ali Cox everywhere at the moment. Um, he's free. We've seen when he got the run over the last two years that he can be fantasy relevant. Um Who's who's going to be the number two pass catcher in Indianapolis? God knows. Um, I think he's an athletic three. He's one of these tight ends that's got the basketball background. I think he's he's going to be on the field a lot of the time. Um, and for me, I just think to be currently going undrafted in DLF ADP, um, that screams value to me. So yeah, I'm I'm very excited about about my guy Mo. I get it, um, but in Dynasty, I don't want him. I think it's the best way to put it. Um, I think this year, I think a lot of the players we've put on this list so far are players that are going to be great this year in terms of outscoring ADP or cost or however you want to put it, but in future years have so many question marks that I wouldn't want to own them in future years. Um, to me, he feels like a, a tight end version of Kudara Patterson but with less upside. Um, I don't think that he's going, ever going to be the tight end 12 in a season-long scoring or in p- points per game, or however you want to look at that. But I do think that he is going to be a serviceable backup where you can throw him in and think, 
if he scores a touchdown, he's getting me 15 points in tight end premium or whatever. But if he doesn't, he's still somewhat of a safe option. He's just not um, a purely touchdown dependent guy. My concern is how Jelani Woods and Kyle and Granson fit into the equation because they aren't going to disappear. Not concerned. Um, I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of Kyle and Granson. Um, he only got 15 targets in 17 games last year, um, and that was while it was basically just him and Moali Cox anyway. So I don't foresee him being much of an issue. Jelani Woods. Um, I think is going to be the future at the tight end position for the Colts. Um, and that's why I like Moali Cox now, but not in the future because um, Jelani Woods is just a monster and he's the guy that I want in that tight end room going forward in two, three years' time. Moving over to my player, um, I put Michael Pittman down. Now, I love Michael Pittman. I really like the way that he plays. I thought he kind of came out of nowhere last year and uh, won me a championship and in another league took me very far into the playoffs. But I think, is he getting overhyped right now, Rich? Like, he's going as the wide receiver 13. Now, what's his realistic ceiling in terms of dynasty value next year? Yes, I think Pittman could have a top five season, potentially, as like a, a top top ceiling, top five doesn't seem out of place. But when we look into dynasty value, I don't foresee him going above what wide receiver seven to ten in that range. I don't foresee that value increasing too much. So um I suppose what I'm trying to say is he's currently going a little bit too high and maybe even to the point where he's near enough at peak value. You're not going to like what I'm going to say here because I I love Michael Pittman. I was slow I to I was, well. I, I was slow to get on board when he came out. I thought he was just a big-bodied stiff that couldn't run routes. I've been completely proved wrong. I think as a route runner, he's been fantastic. Um, and I think that Matt Ryan just produces, you know, wide receivers, wide receiver ones. If I take you back. Every season since 2014, Liam, okay, Matt Ryan, wide receiver one, what do you reckon the lowest rank his wide receiver one has ever finished? So that is eight seasons, last eight seasons. I mean, I'm going to put it out there that he's had had Julio Jones for a good portion of those. He had Calvin Ridley. So I'm going to say... For both of those, um, say wide receiver 11. Okay. So last year was the first time since 2013 that Matt Ryan's wide receiver one finished outside the top five. He had Cordero Patterson finished as wide receiver 15 last year. He is a running back. Okay, but... In terms of fantasy, <laughs> he was wide yeah. receiver. But 2020, Calvin Ridley finishes the wide receiver four. 2019, Julio wide receiver three. Uh, year before that, Julio wide receiver one. Year before that, Julio wide receiver five. Year before that, Julio wide receiver five. Wide receiver one, wide receiver five. Now, I get that Julio and Calvin Ridley are elite talents, but I think Michael Pittman is on that level. 
if we go back even further, 2011, Roddy White, wide receiver four. 2010, Roddy White, wide receiver one. 2009, Roddy White, wide receiver five. Oh, 2008, I Roddy White, wide receiver three. Rich, I'm going to make you feel old. 2008, I was still in primary school, mate. I wasn't playing fantasy football. I mean, that's that's not that bad because I just finished my A-levels. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, Matt Ryan, since 2008, has had two years where he's not had his wide receiver one finish in the top nine. Like, that's mind-blowing. The guy just produces fantasy points for his wide receiver one. Michael Pittman has shown last year that he can be elite. I think he's taken a step forward as a route runner and a pass catcher. So, yeah, wide receiver 13, Liam. I am all in on Michael Pittman. Okay, with that, you've already spun me around. I'm I'm back in at that cost. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, We'll move on to the Jags so Rich can have another attempt at trying to spin me on some, some other players, I suppose. Um, I'm going to go with James Robinson. Um, I just have questions about whether he's being forgotten about. He is a volume-based running back from what we've seen so far. Um, people like to say that he's immensely talented. I don't believe that. Um, I think that he's immensely talented in terms of getting to the NFL, as you said, Rich, last uh, last show, I think it was. For an NFL talent, I don't think he's that talented but to get to the nfl you have to be an immense talent obviously um so james robinson peterson has always or doug peterson the new head coach of the jags has always used that committee style approach now it's not always been you get 40 percent snaps you get 40 percent snaps another back gets 20 percent, and that's always how it's going to be but he's always typically had that kind of movable piece and always liked a, a bruiser type running back, which is what James Robinson tends to kind of profile as. Now, Rich, where do you fall on Robinson? Because running back 38 in ADP, I think that's kind of forgotten about for the type of usage I can see him getting. But equally, I don't see a massive upside for him, especially while Etienne's there. Yeah, I think it, it depends what you really want from your running backs in this range, you know, if we're talking about him as a running back three, running back four, do you really want him? Because I think he's got a cap ceiling. And I think that, you know, we're basically saying he's, he's an injury away from getting a full workout load because I think Travis Etienne's not going anywhere. I think that he's probably capped in terms of his production of what he can do with Travis Etienne healthy. So I think that, yeah, he, he might end up the season putting up sort of top 24, top 36 numbers if Etienne stays healthy. But I don't know if he's anything more than that. I don't think he's a guy that, you know, you think of other players going in his price range. You know, someone like, uh, I don't know, James Cook or uh, Brian Robinson, for example, who are in the, a similar price bracket. To me, they've got much higher ceilings, even without the the potential of, of throwing in an injury. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think he is undervalued. I think he's forgotten about. But I just worry that the reason that's being done is because I think he's, 
he's not got that elite ceiling. So, Rich, who do you have as your Jags player? My Jag is Trevor Lawrence. Look, I think he took too much hate last year. The guy is elite. The guy is fantastic. I think he showed me enough last year to still be fully in. I think he... Yeah, he, he went through some horrific stretches last year. I think it was like an eight-game stretch where he had one touchdown, was it? Um, but I think that you still see the ability to manipulate the pocket, read a defence, and throw pinpoint accurate passes. And I think that he has got all the talent in the world still. And I've got no concerns that he's going to be an, an elite quarterback moving forward. And I think that... If chances are the person that owns Trevor Lawrence probably believes in him, but um, if anybody is wavering, him, I've I've sent out an offer of a twenty-three first and a second for Trevor Lawrence in a superflex league. Um, I'm I'm easily happy, probably paying a bit more than that. Um, so let's hope the person I sent to is not listening. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, I I think that to me, Trevor Lawrence is that that guy that I think could easily take the, the step into top eight bracket I think there's probably I've got a top eight I've got Trey Lance at nine and I think Trevor Lawrence is is the next guy in terms of got potential to break into that elite tier um, because I truly think he's he's that good yeah I I see it um, everyone's expecting that big jump I do think that he's been bashed a little bit too far um, but I think everyone has given him a good amount of um, leeway as well at the same time. Um, I see a, a kind of a, a buy window opening if he doesn't have a great start to the season or even doesn't have a great season this year, or at least two expectations. Um, I can kind of see another buy window opening a little bit. Um, so what I suppose I'm trying to say is if you've already bought him, don't panic because even if he has a bad year this year, I still think that he's got that level of talent that he'll pull it out of the bag when the Jags actually figure out what they're doing with that offense because um, Etienne, they drafted with Lawrence. Uh, they obviously went to the same college. But outside of that, they haven't really brought any huge, huge help to that offense, yes, you they paid Christian Kirk a huge amount, but he's not what you expect in a wide receiver one. And then you've also got Evan Engram, who I'm high on, but are those two and Etienne and potentially James Robinson going to carry that um, skill position or the, those skill positions forward and actually score all those touchdowns? I question it. So while I do think that Lawrence is a is a good buy. I just also think let's not panic if he has a bad year because I can see if he's having a a similar year to last year where he wasn't horrendous if you look at his stats a bit more closely, but and he, and his film if you look at it all really closely he was much better than everything kind of tells you, but I think that people will panic if he has a a poor going next year or he, he's let's say less than that but look worse than average. I can see people panicking straight away. Um, Rich, I'm going to move on to the Houston Texans. And I'll start off with my player, uh, Damian Pierce, running back 36 currently in ADP. Um, 
this is a guy that both of us were banging the table of look at draft capital rather than landing spot. Um, and I think this is one of the very few circumstances where it's not the case in year one. Um, what I do want to say is I still believe in draft capital over landing spots, so I can see the Texans um, bringing in talent next year in free agency in the draft, however they want to do it, and challenging Damian Pierce. I'm not saying that Damian Pierce will lose the job or however the season ends, but I'm still banging that draft capital over landing spot um, drum in future years, but right now he is that running back one from all reports from camp. Um, but I suppose my question to you, Rich, is do you really think that he's going to keep that starting role for the entire season and not get challenged whatsoever by whoever they decide to bring in or whether it's Marlon Mack coming back from his Achilles? So we saw that Achilles isn't a done-and-done injury when Dante Foreman came back and looked really good. I mean, it wasn't a Titans running offense, but he still looked pretty good. I think, look, for me, I, I didn't like Damian Pierce as a prospect. I didn't like him on film. I thought he was a ham and egger. I thought he was distinctly average at a lot of things. I didn't understand why Florida, if he was an elite talent, why Florida didn't use him more. Um, from a statistical point of view, in my model, he was was pretty poor. He was a 39th percentile prospect. I didn't like him. I was very low on him. So perhaps this is some take lock and, and me trying to defend my position, but I, I still don't see it. I think that people are celebrating the fact that he's going to be the clear-cut one in Houston. I mean, he beat out Marlon Mack, who was, a, was an average back before the Achilles injury. And, you know, didn't exactly have a, a load of teams clamoring for his services in free agency. And Rick, Rex Burkett, who is, you know, a career journeyman, special teamer, third down back. Just because Damian Pierce has won the job doesn't necessarily mean Damian Pierce is good. It just means that the Texans haven't got any better options. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not particularly enthralled about the RB1 on the Texans, you know, are we really going to see elite production? I think that I'd quite happily sell the second he does start week one and, and gets, you know, the, the largest share of the pie out that backfield and somebody's expecting him to be a stud moving forward. I'm, I'm happy to sell then. Um, I just think that he's currently overvalued. I think that the hype's gone a little bit too far and maybe we just need to reassess and say, do we really want to be hyping up the RB1 on the Texans when he's probably not going to be the RB1 next year? Yeah, basically, um, we both both agree on that. So, Rich, who have you got as your player for the Texans? My guy, it's, you know, look, he, he's, he's the only target. He's the only fantasy asset that, to me, is startable in Houston outside of maybe Davis Mills and Superflex Leagues. And it's Brandon Cooks. I think he's he's a plug and play wide receiver three. Um, you can get him probably cheaper than that. If you're a contender and are looking for that flex piece, I think you know you can do a lot worse than going and floating out. What 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 are we saying for Brandon Cooks on the trade market? Do you think I'd get him for a max of two seconds? 
Yeah, see, I'd I'd pay a second and a third. I don't know if I'd go to two seconds, but I genuinely think you can you can get him for that. Um, particularly if if the person that's got him, you know, will start to become age obsessed in Dynasty again very soon. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that he's a solid wide receiver two option, as you said. If you can get him in that um, second, second and third, maybe even two seconds, a push. Um, type of price range then as a flex option he is going to be um, incredible for you you've you've basically got providing that your other starting wide receivers uh, hit and play well you've essentially got four starting wide receivers yeah Um, and and I think that Cooks basically ties in perfectly to my next next pick which is on the Titans and that's Robert Woods and to me Robert Woods is basically discount Cooks um, you know what, what a difference a year makes. We were sat here last year with Robert Woods going ahead of Cooper Cup. Now Cooper Cup is you know consensus top five dynasty wide receiver, consensus top two wide receiver in redraft, and Robert Woods is the forgotten man. He is fully fit. He's going to be healthy. The Titans have announced that he's going to start alongside Nick Westbrook Akina. Um, look, trailing that actually being confirmed now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've said it today. Oh, so, wow. Traylon Burks hasn't had the best offseason. I think Traylon Burks is going to be, you know, a piece of this offense. But for this year, I think Robert Woods is is a bargain. And if I can get wide receiver 30, 53, you know, if I can get Robert Woods for, I'd be happy paying a 23 second. Now, I know I've said that 23 seconds, you need to go out and get them because no one's selling you a 23 first and 23 seconds are going to be gold dust. Um, but I'd, I'd be happy paying that for Robert Woods. I think that he is the perfect, you know, first guy off the bench, perfect deep flex play in a deeper league. I, I really believe that look, there's, there's an awful lot of production that is going to happen in Tennessee. I do believe that they're still going to have a competent offense. And I think Robert Woods is going to be a big beneficiary of that. Yeah, I think, I think my, concern with Woods is ACL um, we've seen that it doesn't take or people players don't come back from ACL tears immediately like 100% 110% however you want to put it um, the other thing is his contract is so weird Rich I don't know whether you know this but this year there's nothing to worry about he's going to stay on the roster but in future years there is zero dead cap whatsoever they save 13 15 and then 17 and a half mil um in each of those next three years because there's a zero dead cap i'm not yes, saying that, that he's that always happens whenever a player is traded because all of the guarantees the signing bonus the roster bonus stay with the team that have traded him so yeah. the dead cap here sits with the rams because they've traded him so that's why when you when you acquire a player by trade you can then cut them at any point. Yeah, um, I get that. But my point still stands is that is an extremely (laughs) cuttable contract for the um, Titans if Woods, for whatever reason, doesn't get back to what we're expecting him to be. Um, I do think that would be a top 36 wide receiver this year in production-wise. I think that wide receiver 53 is absolutely ludicrous. Quite frankly, I think that you could take him 10 spots ahead and I probably wouldn't even bat an eyelid. 
Um, yeah, as I said, my concern is for the future. Um, and that kind of brings me on to my next player, but with Wood specifically, he is a great flex option, kind of like um, Cooks, as you said, Cooks at a discount. But um, future-wise, I'm kind of uncertain about that Titans offense. And with that, I'm going to start talking Malik Willis. Um, now, looking at the Ryan Tannehill contract, Ryan Tannehill's contract next year, it is cuttable, but only saves... Uh, what's, oh, I say only saves. Saves like 18 million. So that's quite a decent portion. But with that, if, if Ryan Tannehill does struggle for whatever reason... I think the Texan or the Titans offense or Titan Titans um, fan base in general will try and push for Malik Willis because he has shown some real good flashes. He's shown that he is electric in the preseason. Now it is preseason, so trying not to get too hyped about him, but he's shown that he's got that le- level of talent and that a third rounder could be an incredible steal. We could be talking about Murley Willis for the future. Equally, I think Tannehill may not struggle um, and Murley Willis becomes that career backup, I suppose. But I think it's more likely that the Titans move on from Tannehill after next year, um, after 2023, because that's when the contract runs out. I just don't think they're going to repay him when they've got Murley Willis behind him. Um who's who's going to be pushing, in my opinion, pushing for that starter role for the entire season. And if Tannehill is there next season, pushing for the role then even more as well. Yeah, so I think that, in my opinion, Tannehill is starting this year. I think that is nailed on. I think Oh, yeah, really- I, I never... I never. So for me, I'm going to... I've already penciled it in my work diary that I'm going to be going out and I'm going to be trying to buy as many Malik Willis shares as I can week 10 because I think once people are starting to get into playoff mindset and trying to line up their rosters, I think I'm going to be able to buy some Malik Willis shares on the cheap week 10, because I think he is, as you said, he's got potential to start in 2023. I think he's got an even better potential to start in 2024. And it's basically what I said about Desmond Ridder, but on steroids as such, because I think Malik Willis has got an even greater rushing floor that he could be an absolute fancy gold mine if he does start. Um, so that's that's kind of my plan as such <laughs> when it comes to Malik Willis. I still have some real questions about him processing. I don't think I've I've seen enough this preseason in terms of him going from one to two to three that I I think that he's still a way away from being a starting caliber NFL quarterback. Um, but if for whatever reason he does manage to be a starter, we know from a fantasy perspective he's going to be an absolute stud. Yeah. Um, as I said, he's shown flashes. I'm not saying that he's going to be the starter week one. Um, I do think that the Titans fan base will be pushing for that um, starting role if Tannehill, for whatever reason, really struggles. Um, but as I said, Willis has shown flashes, but doesn't necessarily mean that he is currently there. Um, as you said, 2023 is the earliest that I can see him starting the full season. Um, and 2024, to me at least, unless the Titans do something crazy, is basically 
uh, I'd say 75% chance Willis is the starter from at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think that makes sense. So, Rich, that comes to the end of um, our players. We've gone through all the teams in the soft south, as I have named it this uh, this week. So have you got a dynasty tip for us? Yeah, so my dynasty tip is uh, start talking um, quite shortly. <laughs> so I think that now is really important. Everybody is, you know, I know some people aren't quite as degenerate as us and sort of check out over the off-season at certain times. But now is the time to start having those conversations with your league mates. It doesn't need to necessarily be anything kind of great in depth. I just think you need to be opening the dialogue channels with every single person in your league so that you've got already some level of rapport for making those trades in seasons. You've already got that level of rapport open so that you can drop them a DM on week four and say, how you feeling about your team? Are you starting to rebuild? Do you think you make a playoff push? Blah, blah, blah. If you do that cold, people are a little bit more right. What what what's this guy trying to get? What's what's he trying, you know, what what what's he trying to pull the wool over my eyes? I think a if you start more icy, if you yeah, yeah, think, excuse the pun. Exactly. And I think if you can open those channels now, it will only help you in six, seven, eight weeks' time when you're trying to make those trades because you know, you're just somebody that's had conversations with them over the last two months. You're not just messaging them out of the blue in order to try and screw them over in a trade. I like that. Uh, I don't think I've got anything to add to that. So that is all we have on the show sheet. So that is all we have for you, dear listeners. Um, as usual, we'll be back next week uh, streaming at 8pm UK time on Tuesday or the podcast will come out later on in that week. Um, but until then, stay safe, Rush Nation. And remember, just start talking. <laughs>
it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.